a listener production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Cecilia, we went through this phase here at the Wellness Collective <laughs> where we talked a lot about certain things. Specifically, yeah. <laughs> we did a lot on fertility and we did a lot <laughs> on periods. It's funny, there's waves. It's like, but you know how movies come out and there's like two versions of the same thing, like yes. Godzilla versus Kong and then a monkey versus a lizard, like, well, yes. bad, you know, yeah, bad example. I, I, I get you. Alien versus predator yes. versus, like, th- Things come in waves. They do, yes. And ours is, you're I'm right, periods. Not a wave, aren't we? IVF. But no, we haven't talked about periods for a <laughs> while. Although we did talk about menopause just recently, which is obviously getting rid of those periods. Not, That's a yes. bumpy road, I mean, though, getting isn't Getting rid of is bumpy. fairly like, just, yes, moving on from. I'm pretty happy to get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my own own <laughs> feelings about the, the whole situation there. Well, once you're done with the periods, you know, the purpose of them, Ah, oh, quite boring to deal with. Oh, well, look, you have them for a very long time. You do. I mean, it just it gets tedious and you do get very kind of, um, you know, familiar with your own way of going about it. But Right. I was talking to someone about this before, actually, because she was saying, mm-hmm. I have horrible periods ever since I had my tubes tied and they come way too often. And, I, and so she's like, I'm having an ablation. I'm like, but that's not going to fix it. It's just going to like, mm. I go, you, gotta, you still got to fix your hormones. The reason that that's happening is actually because of your hormones. Anyway, um, we just don't have access to this information and that's what we were here to talk about today. Imagine having information that was truthful, factual, ticked all the boxes when you were like a young woman. Mm. Would it then not empower you to be able to make different choices? And I think the main thing really when it comes to our cycles as women is the less problematic they are, the less problematic they are. You know well, what I mean? Like the less thought into right. it at all, if, we, if it just came and went and it was fine, mm. you probably wouldn't be like, oh, I can't wait to get rid of that. You know what I mean? Oh, well, mine's fairly fine. It's just boring. <laughs> <laughs> boring after well, all. Well, I am very, very excited for our guest today and I'm going to let Demi introduce herself because she is a wealth of knowledge. But Demi, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Hi guys, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, my name is Demi. My last name is Spacavento. You don't need to remember it. <laughs> I'm a teacher and sometimes the kids call me Mrs. Spaghetti because um, <laughs> it's a hard one. So my name is Demi and I actually started my business, Bright Girl Health, a couple of years ago with the help from Nat. Yay! Um, I did Nat's well-practiced um a mentoring course and she helped me get my dreams of talking to students about periods in schools um, helped me make those dreams a reality and so I do what people are begging for which is I go into schools and I teach students from grade 7 to 12 all the things that we wish we learned in schools that we leave school and we don't know and then maybe we only learn once we're diagnosed with endometriosis or we're going on a fertility journey mm. all the things that when I learned, I was really angry because I was angry that no one ever taught me them when I was a teenager. And I believe that teenagers deserve to know these things about what's happening inside their own bodies. Do you think that part of the, I don't know about you, but I had a Catholic 
private school education. And so a lot of it was just unacceptable to talk about. And actually still to this day, when I go into schools, I'm still given, I'm still read my rights as to what you can and can't say. So, you know, there's a lot of taboo areas, especially when it comes to contraception. Um, but it was also, the, you know, there's this fear that was underlying sex ed that made us fear that we were going to basically fall pregnant in any minute, mm. um, that we even so much as sniffed a boy or you know, some the opposite sex. They're very, yes, yes, they're very um, and and so is that does that still exist, or is it that actually things are m- moving in a different direction, or at least a more open and honest direction? Yeah, I think the taboo around talking about it in schools with teenagers definitely still does exist and maybe to a different extent, depending on the type of school and the demographic. So, I mean, I grew up with a private school education as well, and it wasn't super um, in-depth education around these topics. But I think that that's still the truth for certain um, schools, even if they are in the public system as well. There are schools that I go to um, where just because of the particular demographic, the teachers say, oh, you know, the students don't know this, this, this and this, maybe tiptoe around this, uh, whatever it might be. Um, But I think um, I've even gone into um, private schools where they're like, you know, this needs to change. But we feel that pressure from the parents, the parents who don't want us to say certain things about sex or they don't want us to teach certain things about contraception, which is a real shame because it's doing the students a disservice. Um, But, yeah, no, it definitely still does exist. You know, I, uh, for example... I still speak to people, uh, mothers particularly, about my book and it's quite hilarious. They'll say to me, oh, I love this book so much. Would, wouldn't it be amazing if it was in the school system? And then they say, <laughs> but, but my child goes to a Catholic school. That would never fly. Mm. It's like, well, guess what? Their reproductive system isn't any different to the non-Catholic school. So there's something that has to change there, I think. And like you say, Demi, it is a bit of, it is a massive disservice because we grow up not necessarily understanding certain parts of ourselves for example, I didn't put together the lines of ovulation and conception until many years down the road. And if I had have understood that, I wouldn't have feared my my no. body and my sexual health as much. And I feel like that empowerment's really important. And the empowerment is actually going to stop students and and younger generation potentially from falling pregnant if they understand this. Well, that's it. And they don't have to run to media or Dr. Google to find out the questions that they're asking anyway. They're looking for the answers anyway, whether it's by reading magazines or going on the internet, asking their friends and getting information that isn't quite factual with gaps missing or that may make things seem scary. Um, And so if we're able to have open, honest conversations with them and make it fun, like make it a good time rather than this awkward time, like have students come in at the beginning of my presentation and some of them you'll see actually cover their ears and they're like I don't want to be here because whatever their preconceived idea of a talk about periods is just seems uncomfortable gross yuck Mm. stressful and you know 10 minutes in we're all laughing we're all having a good time the smiles on everyone's faces but there's that that idea that they have that this isn't going to be a good time this is going to be awkward because I don't like this area of my health Also, it's a cultural thing. Like you talk about Catholic schools, but there's a lot of different cultures that don't, um, you know, broach this topic. I mean, I even have a friend who's in her 30s who said her mum 
had never told her anything about periods at all. And when it happened, she was in such shock. And her mum just threw a packet of pads at her and said, there you go, just use those. And that was it. There was mm. no support or explanation or... And mm. so that think, was as far as her education went. So she's I saying think, with her daughters, she's going to obviously do it differently. I think that also comes from what the mother would have been taught too and her not necessarily having these skills well, that's or That's what I mean about the cultural background because yeah, right. it really does depend on where you've grown up and what the norms are and what's taboo to talk about, doesn't? isn't it? Yeah, totally. I think that's, that's right. the thing and though. If we I definitely have... want to give... Sorry, Demi. If we don't have the information ourselves, then how do we pass it on? Because <laughs> we're still confused. Many of us are still confused, you know? That's it. And I definitely want to give teachers some credit. I don't do what I do because teachers are incompetent at all by any means. Teachers are awesome. But as a teacher myself, I know that you're always under pressure to keep moving through content. You know, you've got your syllabus and the syllabus covers the basic things of menstruation, like the anatomy and what happens, but there's no requirement from the syllabus for teachers to actually dive deep into what's happening with your hormones and going into looking at cervical fluid and 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 the emotions of it all. Um, and so there's no requirement from teachers to do that. So when teachers have this pressure from head teachers, from executive staff to keep moving through and keep ticking boxes, then they've just got to keep moving through at the expense of really good in-depth education that that may not quite answer all the questions that that students have in the room and the other thing is with a lot of um, classes you've got you've got the boys in there as well which is of course absolutely fine but when you can actually get the girls by themselves take them out make it special make it a special event a special day where it's like today we're going to celebrate what it means to have a period and, and what it means to have these female hormones then you know it, it's a completely different thing you don't have to tiptoe around the boys um, you don't have to go back to right right back to the basics to be able to cater for the fact that they don't have, you know, that foundation <laughs> of knowledge. And you can dive right into the nitty gritty stuff, talking about cervical fluid, showing photos of cervical fluid and talking about what it all means. Um, because you've got this, you know, collective understanding that we all go through this. Let's just, let's not mess around. Let's get right into it and learn about our bodies so that it doesn't have to be a horrible experience. And, and I say to the students, we're here to learn how you can have a better period and that how, yours, how your period can be your superpower. So it doesn't have to be uh, six years because all up we spend about six years menstruating. So it doesn't have to be six years of you being miserable. So oh, that it can, six be, can be six years. <laughs> six years all up that we're actually bleeding, yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things there. I think that putting the responsibility for all of this kind of knowledge onto the school and the teachers is is really unfair. Um, so there is a family's, I don't know, responsibility as well that, that as mothers and aunties and friends that you, I don't know, just provide an open space that you can, that, kids can come to you and ask questions and you're going to give them, you know, realistic answers about. And the other thing is, I love that you do this because, you know, even as a grown woman, you only know what you know, unless you've been working with people who have problematic periods or you talk about it a lot with your friends. I mean, you're even, even when you do talk about periods with your friends, you're not really getting into the nitty gritty of it. So you only know That's what true. it's like for you. And so mm. being able to know that there's a whole range of normal and that's okay, 
is has got to be a great thing for teenagers to take, you know, through their life with them. That's it. It's actually funny. I was talking to a friend the other day. She's had multiple kids um, and she brought up the fact, oh, it's really weird that you can pee with a tampon in. And I was like, no, <laughs> is not it? really that weird. <laughs> why, why do you think that's that weird? And she's like, oh, it's just weird that the tampon doesn't stop the pee. I'm like, hmm, time for an anatomy lesson with my friend who's had two children. <laughs> and wow. So, <laughs> this is so what I mean. But we laugh, but it it happens all the time. Or patients will come to me and they'll say, I'm mortified. Can you tell me what ovulation is? But it's not their fault. If they've been on the pill since they were 14, they've not ovulated for all that time. So how would they know? You know, it, it, there right. is a lot of information. But I think also, you're right, Demi, I think that actually I would say, because I've got uh, Livia as an age where she's um, for the last three, two years has been enrolled in the government, the Victorian government's um, sexual and reproductive health education. Um, it was a um, trial uh, and it was so much better than I thought it was going to be and so age-appropriate. And I think that's the other thing, that these conversations need to happen in an age-appropriate way. You're not, you're not giving them, you know, the A to Z when they're 13, but no. it's appropriate mm. to what they need to know at the time. Um, mm. And I guess this is what schools are maybe have certain schools or certain demographics or certain cultural groups or whatever we're talking about may have tried to do, um, but without, I don't know, I don't think the full picture has actually been well thought through, so that's not ideal. I want to change lanes to something that we haven't spoken about, that you are someone that I feel is a go-to, and that is period cool. cups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes! I'm wearing a period cup right now. Great. Good. I, I, well, we would never have known. No. Do you find it hard to pee around the period cup? <laughs> Before we go into that, though, just going back to the generational thing, I think it's really interesting that, you know, there's there's new things that you can use to, I'm going to say deal with your period. It's probably the wrong language to use and you can tell my feelings on the subject. But do you know what I mean? Like as, well, you know, we've been doing it for 20 years or a bit longer. And, um, <laughs> you know, back 20, 20 years ago. I think the, how long I have been. 19 yeah, years I've been menstruating go. for 19 yeah. years. Really? I, think, yeah. I was 13 when I got my period. Um, that's 30 years. Oh, yeah. Whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> you know, maths doesn't need to be any of our strong suits. No, it's 29 years. There you that go. was the nine that I was looking for. Just got the wrong 10. Yeah, I'm just there loving you it. I just aged to 10 years, sorry. <laughs> but, you know, we, what's normal, again, for teenagers um, dealing with their periods now is so different to what we had as an option. So, yeah, yeah. T- tell us um, tell us about the cup. I'm scared, but no, you Nat's gone there, haven't you? I just asked. Okay. You have, wait, hold on. Have you been there, Nat? Have you done it? Did you take the leap? No, I have a whole Insta um, mm. a highlight about me in the period cup. Mm. And it's pretty, oh. it's pretty funny, actually. It's not as graphic um, as it could be. I missed it, but I'll have to oh, go back Oh, it's old. And watch it's been it. there for a long time. Oh. It's, it was pretty okay. funny. Um, so you didn't miss it. It was, it was quite a while ago. Um, right. No, I just feel like I'm at the end of my, almost at the end of my um, menstruation journey and, you know, just, yeah, don't just keep doing things. what I know. Yeah, yeah, this is what I mean. You know, you get into your habits. So tell us about yes, come on, period cups. 
And that that's exactly the reason why I love all of these emerging new period care products, because it means that like no matter who you are and what your lifestyle is and where you are in that journey and what your preferences are, you can find something that suits you because pads and tampons don't suit every single person um, and their lifestyles. And so when I first used a cup, it was uh, maybe three, four years ago, um, and I was a pad girl. I had not used a tampon. I'd used maybe two tampons by the time I was 24 and I just didn't enjoy them. I don't know, maybe I wasn't doing it quite right. I just didn't enjoy them. So I was like, I'm sticking with pads. But once I heard about the cup and especially all the reasons to use a cup because of sustainability and the fact that we can use 11,000 disposable either pads or tampons over our lifetime and the fact that pads have plastic inlays in them that don't degrade in the environment and takes them hundreds of years I was like oh wow okay well let me look at what I can do and so coupled with the fact that you can wear a cup for so long um I was like I really want this to work for me so (laughs) I watched all the YouTube videos and now I personally have a library of like hours and hours of YouTube videos on cups um my channel is Bright Girl Health if anyone wants to go watch those but I think that was the key just watching so much content to know what I was looking out for to know what I was doing and so when I eventually did try it I was actually quite successful and didn't have too many hiccups along the way but I did say I put my cup in for the first time I came out of the bathroom walked into the next room to my husband and I was like You know, when you get food that accidentally goes up your throat, up into your nose instead of like (laughs) down your throat, and it feels like it's stuck there. You feel like you have to sneeze it out. I was like, it feels like I, my vagina has to sneeze this cup out. (laughs) It's like something that's there that shouldn't be there. And you just got to blow it out. (laughs) That's what it felt like at first. And I've since <laughs> I've since realized that was because I didn't have it inserted quite on the right angle for me and at the right height for me. And so it is that little bit of a journey of a bit of trial and error for the first few days or maybe even the first few cycles of figuring out, okay, like what is my anatomy like? Do I have a high cervix? Do I have a low cervix? What Discovering also the fact that the anatomy is not straight up and down. The vaginal canal doesn't just go straight up on a 90 degree <laughs> angle. So figuring out, oh, okay, like I'm not shoving it up straight. I actually have to like put it on an angle that goes with my body. And also I think a lot of people try and shove it up as high as it can possibly go. Um, For me, I have to have mine sitting quite low. And so you actually just by um, default go on this journey of realizing a whole lot about your body and and about the anatomy and getting really comfortable with that. And a lot of people say, oh, like just by using a menstrual cup, I've learned so much about myself. Um, And yeah, really quickly, it became my go-to because I could wear it for eight to 12 hours, meaning that I could put it in in the morning, do my whole teaching day or do my whole work day, not have to worry about it and then take it out at night and it's done. And I only need the one cup. So I don't have to buy pads and tampons every month, which is nice to not have to do that, to not have to worry about that. Cause it's the worst when you're like, Oh, I have my period crap. I only have one pad left. I have to run off to the shop. Um, and, um, I mean like the environmental impact is just that mm. big bonus yeah. as well. 
I, I, when I was talking about using the cup, there were a lot of horror stories sent to me that were making me laugh my head off because they were like, I had to get my <laughs> friend to come and take it out for me. Or there was like the bathroom looked like um, Chainsaw Massacre when I like got it out, <laughs> they couldn't get it out, then it flung everywhere. And so it is. I oh, my gosh. Under, yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> like so many of the responses were so funny. But it was very interesting because right. so many people are on board and so many people love yeah. their cup. And so it was very interesting. Mm. It was like, how could you not love this, Nat? And I'm like, yeah, I just feel like I don't need to love it. I just need to just <laughs> do what I know. And that really does show my age at this point, doesn't it? Because I was like, oh, I'm going to finish menstruating at some yeah, point no, in I've, the near future. <laughs> there's so many options that, like, if someone is, like, not a fan, that they don't have to try it. They can make their needs other ways. Um, but I always say, like, my big tip for everyone, and I've already said it, is, like, if you are keen on trying a cup, don't just go buy a cup and just insert it and just hope for the best. Like, do your research on what cup you're buying um, because, you know, just like you buy different shoes for different feet, you've got to pick the right size of cup. Um, mm. you, there's different firmnesses. So um, for people who find that the cup might um, put a little bit of pressure on their bladder or feel just like it's there, you shouldn't be able to feel it whatsoever. You should forget that it's totally there at all. So, you know, you pick your firmness, you pick your size, you pick your length. Some are a different length than others. So you do your research on what type of cup you want. And then like watch some videos about how to insert them best. There's different folds that you can use. I like a particular fold because it makes the tip of the cup only of the size of a tampon anyway. So it's quite small once you actually put it in. And, you know, once you've watched all those videos and, and read all those things about it, you know exactly what you're looking out for. And, you know, you read, you read videos, you read videos, my goodness, <laughs> you read articles or you watch videos that say like, when you're taking it out, make sure you do this. And then you avoid the chainsaw ma massacre in your bathroom. <laughs> and so my advice so for graphic. anyone who's getting into it is, yeah. So my advice is just go to my YouTube channel or go to YouTube and just watch all the videos about cups and then you'll feel so much more confident. Mm -hmm. And then what's your advice for women then um, who are choosing to use a paddle tampon um, in your experience and, and educating women? Are they all the same? Mm. It's yeah, a leading so what question. what I like to also teach the <laughs> It is a leading question. What I also like to teach the students at school, because I, I think it's important that even from a teenager, we realize, you know, our consumer choices have big impacts. And so the two things that I mentioned to them to look out for is try and see if you can buy brands that don't have the plastic tampon applicator, because plastic tampon applicators are one of the most popular things that wash up on beaches and pollute our oceans, um, and that also don't have that plastic layer inside the pad. So for anyone who doesn't realize, if you were to pull open a pad, just behind that sticky part is a really thin plastic, very similar to a plastic bag. Like you'll see it if you pull it apart. And that's the part that makes it uh, so that the pad can... Yeah, waterproof and so that it doesn't break down in uh, the environment. And so if we bring up the waterproof thing, many people might think, oh, well, then, you know, if, if you get a pad that doesn't have that, does that make it ineffective and am I going to leak? So um, I my personal preference that I use um, are the Tom Organic ones, but you can also get a brand called Suno as well, who don't have those plastic layers in them um, and that don't make the tampon 
ones with the plastic applicators so that it is a better environmental choice as well. The plastic tampon applicators is such an American thing. I remember oh, yeah. I, I was in America and I got my period, like wasn't expecting it, wasn't prepared, tried to find a shop to or a store because I was in America to find, you know, sanitary products. And the only thing I could find were tampons with the applicator. And in the mm. end, I had no idea how to put them in. <laughs> had to take I it, had out, to of take it out of the applicator <laughs> to put it. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like what a waste of yeah, everything. It like, is. It's, it's so, not necessary. So strange, yeah. I don't know what's worse, being on that side or being on the other side of it where you're like an American coming here and you can only find the ones without <laughs> the applicators and you have to use your finger when you don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's good training for menstrual cups because if you're comfy with using your finger with a tampon. <laughs> um, so besides the environmental impact, then there's also um, the impact on our health and hormones and even our skin when it mm. comes to a lot of conventional pads and tampon brands. And so I actually have a friend who says that she can't use pads and tampons at all or she can't use conventional brands because it actually gives her a rash like she will get a rash um, from a pad and from a tampon and so she can't use them and the unfortunate truth is that there's a lot of you know um fragrances yeah. used to make mm. your pad smell good because goodness gracious people are going to get right up in there and sniff your pad aren't they <laughs> <laughs> can, can I so ask? it better smell like strawberries and cream ew that's that's <laughs> a really funky mix anyway um what about the um period undies do you do you talk about them as well Love period undies and they're a great option for me to be talking about in schools as well because for teenagers who aren't quite comfy with the cup, it's a fantastic option for them to jump on board and just try out something that's reusable and something that isn't a pad or a tampon. And, and they love it as well. I get to give them um, a free pair, which is awesome. I really like period undies, especially like personally for me, like when it's a day where you're like, oh, I think my period's going to start today. My temperatures are telling me my period's going to start today. My chart's telling me my period's going to start today, but like, I don't want to put it in a cup right now. So you put them on before your period's even started so that when it does start, you're good. You're sweet. You're like, oh, okay. It started. Cool. I've got my period underwear on. I don't need to worry about anything. Um, and, and for students at school, like they can hold a little bit more blood than, um, a pad or tampon. So they can hold up to four tampons worth of blood. So oh, really? students can, yeah. So such students a great can option do less bathroom girls. trips. Yeah. Such a great option for young yeah. girls too. Cause I mean, you remember when you were young and you think everybody knows that you got your period, oh, even yeah. though they don't. Oh, yeah. And then the walk of shame with the pad in your hand to the to the mm-hmm. toilet. Um. Well, one of the students brought up with me when you're actually in the cubicle and you're opening up the pad and it's making that rustling sound. Yeah. And so everyone knows that you've got your period. And I was like, I haven't thought about that in years because it's not an issue. But yeah, for teenagers, that's a big issue, not wanting to go to the bathroom and change it because everyone's going to hear it. And so with period underwears, they're, they're soft. No one's going to know that you're changing them in the bathroom. Mm. Isn't it sad though that um, we still have that, you know, stigma. That, that stigma and we, you know, <laughs> we all do it. We've just come off doing another podcast. We were talking about poo. So, mm. you know, it's all about bathroom <laughs> sounds That's what I today. talk about all day, every day is poo and period. And when someone apologises, <laughs> like, oh, sorry, this is a bit much. I'm like, no, really, it's, it's not, actually normal. It's, it's my wheelhouse. Yeah, right. definitely. The other right. thing I wanted to say to you, well, before we move on from these products is I can remember 
being so frightened of toxic shock syndrome. I know, right? Which was like the big thing that if you use tampons and you've got bacteria, wrong bacteria hanging around or if you leave it in for too long, you're going to die basically of toxic (laughs) shock syndrome. Well, it's in the same camp as if you have sex, you're going to get pregnant every time. Well, this is the thing, you know, (laughs) like it's it wasn't that useful, that information. Yeah, that was was great. That was just fear. Fear, feeling the fears. That's for sure. Um, let's change lanes a little bit. And with girls that you are having the experience of spending time with, um, you know, not necessarily frequently, but they are. you get to speak to a lot of young women, what mm. are you seeing are the typical issues that arise when it comes to periods of young girls? Yeah, the really big one is just blindly accepting that periods are horrible Mm. blindly accepting that like period pain that's just part of life now yeah period pain that leaves me crying that that makes it so that I can't go to school that makes it so that I can't do sport that I have to cancel my social things like that that's just what it is and these students just accepting okay like I have ovaries so that means I'm going to be miserable every month for the next 40 years and really when I go into schools and and we do a segment in the presentation about breaking down that mindset about you know talking about period pain isn't actually typical and all these symptoms that they've been told will definitely be their experience and me coming in and going no actually these things aren't ideal they're not typical and there's always something that we can do about it so you know I have to break down that mindset and then reteach them that you've actually got a whole lot of control over your health and over your hormones and if there's something that's bothering you, if there's something that's stopping you from living your everyday life when you're on your period, then here's what you can do. And teaching them how to seek help for their period is such a huge thing Mm. that that I have to do. I think Um, also what is the trend that you see with, I see maybe my view of this is somewhat, I don't know what the word is, um, where I see the same thing over and over again. But one of the things I see most commonly is young girls wanting to use the pill because they don't want to have a period or because it's mm. the cool thing to do. And yeah. and that I find is probably the most challenging um, conversation to break down for young girls. What mm. in your experience are you finding this and, and how is it that you do reframe it? Well, we talk about in the presentation, we at the start, we talk about our hormones. I introduce them to their hormones. They see a hormone chart. So they see on a timeline how hormones in a menstrual cycle go up and down and how this influences ovulation. And they learn about ovulation and how this influences um, cervical fluid. And they learn about cervical fluid. And then I let them know that, okay, so if someone were on the pill or a hormonal birth control, a hormonal form of birth control, none of this happens at all. And then I think with all that that setup um, for them to understand, like, okay, none of this hormone cycle that I'm seeing this horm- on this hormone chart, none of that happens at all. And so with that setup and that foundation, they realize, oh, okay, it is actually a big deal. And, you know, it's acknowledging that it is a daily drug. And I don't think anyone really tells teenagers this is a drug. <laughs> They're not right. told, oh, it's the pill. It's like a... Because well, I think, it's, it's, just it's to be clear, can I just sort of interject, just to be clear, we're not, mm. you know, it, it is often what's prescribed for a plethora of reasons, but yeah. there are 
I'm seeing a trend where there's a lot of young girls that just want to be on it because they don't want a period. Um, yes. It's got nothing to do with contraception. It's got nothing yeah, to do it's with convenience. it's just about convenience. Mm. And and what yeah. I feel like they that the information that's not getting through and because everyone else is doing it, well, then I might as well do it. And if yeah. I'm not, then I'm not cool. And, and it's this education piece of that that's missing um, mm. that you're talking about, which I just love. I love that example. Uh, I just yeah. I want to make it clear that there's obviously lots of reasons that the pill can be prescribed and it's about sitting mm. down and working out what's best for you. But I just don't think this information or this piece of information is given when mm. that's the option put on the table for a lot of girls. Well, that's it. And I told them, you know, it is your choice to make. No one can make that choice for your body. Be actively involved in that decision. But before you make that decision, make sure you've got all the information about how it works, the benefits, the side effects, the risks and the alternatives so that you can make an informed choice about whether the benefits for you outweigh the side effects. Um, And for, for a lot of people, they'll come up and talk to me at the end and say like, oh, I've been on the pill for X amount of years and I had no idea that it meant that I didn't ovulate because they're just not told when they're prescribed. I don't know why. Maybe maybe practitioners think that teenagers wouldn't be able to understand, but I've stood up here in front of 100 girls and I've explained it in less than five minutes. It's really not that hard. <laughs> and, and teenagers are quite capable of understanding, especially when it comes to something that's personal and is about their own body. I had a student come up to me the other day and said, you know, I, I haven't had a period yet. I'm 16. I haven't had a period yet. So the doctor put me on the pill and now I have a period. And I was like, Okay, got to tell you, you still don't have a period yet. And so uh, here's maybe how you can advocate for yourself. And it is really such a frustrating part of my job where girls will come up and talk to me personally afterwards and say, you know, I've got this horrible period pain or I've got this problem with my period, whether it involves the pill or not. And um, I've been to the doctor, but like, it's not helping. And I have to stand there and I have to say, you know what? The hardest part is really getting yourself connected with the right person who will listen to you, to make you feel heard, to make you feel like your symptoms are valid. That really is the hardest part. But once you get there, you're on the right track. But I can't just tell them, I'll go up to the doctor and they'll take care of you. Because a lot of the times people's experience is that that doesn't happen. I think also too, the the pill probably has a bit of a lagging um, thing amongst older women where it's it gives you the choice to be in control of your body. And so all the other stuff is by the by or they don't know all the other stuff. They've just that that great thing about this was a chance for women to take control and they're, they're the ones that are, you know, driving the bus. But mm-hmm. it's not that straightforward, obviously. Well, that, all, that still all it's comes. old school, right, isn't it? Right, but it all still comes from a lack of self-awareness and yeah. a lack of body wisdom. And if that same uh, focus was put on body wisdom as we did on the pill when that was revolutionary, I yeah. don't know, we'd be in a very different position yeah. right now, wouldn't we? So it's just I was going to say I feel those exact same ways that Cecilia was describing people felt about the pill, I feel those exact same ways about tracking my cycle. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And imagine, imagine if as young women we were taught that to begin with. That's what I always say when, when I, a lot of parents will say to me, I think it's irresponsible that you're saying that my child should, the pill is not the best option. And I think it's irresponsible that our our teenagers aren't taught to map their body out at least enough to understand 
what their cycles look like, what that means, when their symptoms are there, when they're not, how they feel. That is invaluable information that you can't get back once, you know, once mm. we've we've missed that, right. we've missed it. So I think that's really important. I think we I think that the conversation about STDs is really important for teenagers and yeah, the pill, you know, the pill stop doesn't those. stop that. No. So I, no, I think right. it's very ambitious to think that it, it, you can just, that's where it stops. Like I'll just give you the pill and I don't want to know what's going on and, but we're all good now, right? We're all good here now. And, and so I think that's very important and it's really also important to understand the risks of suppressing developing hormones in teenagers as well. Um, that's another whole conversation. <laughs> That's oh, we yeah. had with Lara it's a Brighton. big one. Yeah, absolutely. So I love that the, you, you're able to be a spokesperson but also represent both sides. I feel is really nice for these teenagers to be able to have someone that they actually can go to that they trust when they don't feel like they're being heard. And I think that's the other thing for teenagers because it's such a strange phase of our lives. It's like mother still knows best, but does she really based on her <laughs> yeah. experience? And also it, it's a little bit like you need to be, you know, um, what's the what's the phrase? Um, sp- only sp- speak when spoken to or whatever. The f- mm. You know, I got used to get fed that all the time, speak when spoken yeah. to, but otherwise be quiet. And and not sure teens kids aren't get silly. That well, they're not, <laughs> they're not silly though. <laughs> well, some families I still feel no. like that. But when it comes to, fair enough, if it's like mother knows best when it's like eat your broccoli, but (laughs) something that's not a drug. But when it comes to taking a daily drug, that's actually can have, you know, the longer term effects. And when, when young people have to just do that because somebody else says so and not get to be part of that decision or or not get to have the information to be part of that decision, then I think that that's just wrong. Well, yes, I think to speak to that, (laughs) the broccoli piece. (laughs) The broccoli piece. Body wisdom wisdom is quite amazing. So my mum used to make this dish and it used to be sweet and sour chicken and I cannot tell you how much I hated it, but I ate everything (laughs) except for sweet and sour chicken. But she used to be like, no, no, you have to eat it because I've made it and it's on your plate. It used to make, it used to set off a gag reflex. And if I think about it now, I start to salivate like I'm going to, I feel like like I'm going to dry reach, right? Yeah, right. And I said to her not long ago, I'm like, I can't believe for all of those years, it was the one thing I refused. Out of everything that you used to make, there was just one thing that I refused to eat. I'm getting salivating now. Yeah, you Um, are. Mm, (laughs) One thing that I refused to eat because I just didn't like it because my body told me I didn't like it. And yet you made me do it. So I feel like... We have to be able to listen and connect to our teenagers in a way where they're they're also feeling heard and validated. I think that's very important. Yeah, no, it's such a good point. And, like, they they are mini adults. Well, this generation in my research are actually the most caring, advanced, socially aware, smartest. Like, they've got a whole lot of stuff going on that we didn't have, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're still teenagers and that's okay. They're supposed to be. It's a rite of passage. There's certain things that you do as a teenager, it is hard to remember when you're raising one though to think, oh, did I do this? Would have this been my normal? Um, Things have definitely changed a lot. But, um, yeah, I think that You just didn't do it on TikTok. No, (laughs) I didn't. And thank goodness social media wasn't around when I was a teenager. That would have been problematic. Um, Demi, we could keep speaking to you all day, but we are running out of time. Where can our listeners, because you've got so much more you talk about, you teach girls about Mm. their cycles, you've got resources, you've got your YouTube channel, you've got your book, you've got your website. 
Where can people find you? So on Instagram, I'm at Bright Girl Health and I've got content on there for teenagers and um, 18 to 35s is my largest age bracket. So if you're in that age bracket, you'll definitely find some, some helpful information. My YouTube is Bright Girl Health. Like I said, I've got lots of information on there about carbs, period underwear, um, and other big menstrual cycle issues. If anyone's wondering about our Bright Girl Health school presentations for high schools, um, and that's around Australia because we have face-to-face presentations in New South Wales, but we also have online presentation no matter where you are in Australia, you can head to www.brightgirlhealth.com and all the information about school presentations will be there. And I also have a book and you can buy my book um, from my website as well. Awesome. And her book is really great at teaching you about your menstrual cycle. It's very well done. So yep. it's great for teens and it's great for adults as well. Yeah. Yes. So good. It's amazing. What we, what, what's that thing? There are known unknowns. There are things we know we don't know. Yeah. Yes. That's a lot in this world. We've been saying a lot about that. In this world, there's a lot. Yeah. Demi, thank Mm -hmm. you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Love that. So it's good information, I think, for us as mums, but also loved ones. You don't have to be a mother to, you know, continue to learn and be able to support those around you that are not necessarily your children, but also The power of the auntie. Oh yeah, the neighbor. Yeah, the the big the big girl neighbor. Like oh, you know, the big girl, the big girl neighbor. neighbor. Yes, loved her. Yes, that just was a like, couple of years older. Yes, just enough to I you know like help guide you through. Livy's missing this wonkiness. big girl neighbor. I had a big a couple of big girl friends that yeah. were like kind of 19, 20, 21 when I was growing up, and I was thirteen and. They were the best. Oh, totally. They yeah. were the absolute best. That's anyway. why you need to get a job when you're a teenager in like yes. a supermarket or something you with the other, with the big friend. girls, big yeah. girlfriends. Yeah. Uh, now you're about to say we don't have any reviews. I know. I would really love to read a re- review out today, but we do not have any more. Well, I've got oh, a surprise for you. Fr- so this. A for hey. size, I was about to say. That's not right. <laughs> That's a new thing. Mm, I like for it. For size. For size me. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you for sizing me this? I'm for sizing you this. So... So a friend of mine, Christy, said to me the other night, sent me a text, how do you know Katie? She follows you on Instagram. I said, I don't know Katie, but that's good. She was like, well, she's a friend of mine. Oh. And she she liked your post. Right. I said, okay, well, I don't know. Yes. So next I get a message from Christy because she's done a bit of digging. Yeah. And she said, um, I started, this is, this is Katie. Mm-hmm. I started listening to the Wellness Collective last year and it was brilliant, a true balm to my soul. I have laughed, learned and found genuine insight from it. Your dear friend Cecilia is amazing. Doesn't say anything about you. Oh. But of course she's being but of course she is being your buddy. There we go. I no. love it. She'll, she'll love our one of the episodes recently that we recorded <laughs> that you were talking about kicking someone in the dick. <laughs> Classy. Jeepers, yeah, we're all class here. Well, I love that. But you know what? We'll take reviews via Instagram, yeah. direct messages. It you can leave a review. You can matter. even just tell us what you loved about this episode yeah. on Apple Podcasts as a review. Yep. And always just five stars is just, just a small ask. <laughs> just a small ask. Um, but anyway, oh dear. There we as go. always, we hope this episode has left you feeling happier, healthier and better. Listener.